welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. exactly what's going to happen before it happens, why it's going to happen, and he educates us and gives us information about how to prepare for what's coming on. So I'm going to share with you some things that I believe that you're going to see. In fact, we're already experiencing them in the United States, Uh, and it's kind of along the lines that Pastor's already been um, sharing, and so I thought he was just, might as well sit down and let him preach my sermon. We'll take up an offering for him. Same Holy Ghost. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you as I speak tonight that I will speak as the very oracles of God and minister with the ability only which you can give. Lord, we know it's not enticing words of man's wisdom that changes anyone's life, but it's through demonstrations of your power and of your spirit that brings change. So tonight, Lord, as we reverently and humbly approach your word, we thank you for revelations of your word. Thank you for illustrations of your word. And thank you for impartations of the Holy Ghost that enable us to walk out what we have heard. We thank you that you have not left us alone, but the Holy Ghost will live inside of us and cause us to walk over the devil in every single area of our life. We thank you for that special anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Some years ago, I'll start out telling you a story. I might tell you a lot of stories. Some years ago, I was praying. I was, I was walking, praying in, in a church. I was in a church service. And I had preached in that service. And at the end, I had invited the people to pray. It was in extended type meetings. And while I was praying uh, and seeking the Lord, you know, and just worshiping him, and I was walking back and forth as we were praying together, as the audience was praying and and. Uh, I was praying in the spirit, praying with my understanding also. Many times when I get into prayer, the gift of prophecy operates through me, the simple gift. And I actually speak out in English what the Holy Ghost would say. You could give tongues and interpretation also, but many times I'll step over into that through prayer and worship and adoration of God. And I'll begin to speak in English, which is prophesying in your known tongue, speaking and speaking forth what God is saying at the moment. Well, that started happening to me by the Spirit, and then suddenly I was uh, out of the auditorium, and I was in a distant location. I found myself, now my physical body had not left. If it had, maybe most of the audience would have left. <laughs> but uh, I was, when, I, when I realized where I was at in the Spirit, I was standing in a courtroom. But this particular courtroom, I didn't know anything about. I'd never been in this courtroom in my lifetime. I had been in a lot of courtrooms and I'd graced a lot of courtrooms with my presence. (laughs) If you was here this morning, you know that. But uh, immediately I knew that I was standing in the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Now I'm going somewhere, just hang on. Speaking by the Spirit. I was standing in the Supreme Court of the United States of America. And I was standing in front of where the nine justices sit. And I knew this by revelation. 
And of course, I was kind of like the bench that they would sit on is right here to my left. The first thing I'd done, instead of looking to where I thought the judges would be, I turned to look and see who was in the audience and nobody was there. All the chairs were there, the beautiful ornate woodwork and, uh, and things were there. I'd been a carpenter over the years and I was thinking, man, that took a lot of work you know, to do some of this stuff. And, but I had never seen anything like that in my life. And then out of my peripheral vision, my side view, because I was standing kind of like this and then looking back to see who's in this courtroom, movement caught my eye out of my peripheral vision. And I turned to where the, the nine justices would sit on this bench up here. And when I turned, I fully expected to see at least one of the justices or nine of the justices of the Supreme Court uh, sitting there. But when I turned to my astonishment, guess who was sitting up there in the Supreme Court in a chair? A devil. A big devil was sitting up there in this chair. When I saw that devil sitting up there, it was a creature. Now, it wasn't a baboon and it wasn't a gorilla, but it was a, a creature or something like that. But it was way, way beyond that. And what it looked like, it don't matter, but what it was doing matters a lot. Suddenly, the Holy Ghost came on me and I turned and I pointed to that thing and I realize now why I'm here. I'm in the spirit. But remember, my body's back in Georgia praying in a church. But I'm over yonder in the Supreme Court. I pointed my finger at that thing and I said, I see you. I see you. I see how all these ungodly laws have gotten passed in the United States of America. I see how these ungodly laws, abortion and same-sex marriage and all these kinds of things have gotten passed. I've seen how all these laws have come through the courts, which should never happen because they don't support the Constitution of the United States of America. And I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command you to come down from there. I command you. Well, immediately this thing started shivering and shaking. I said, I command you to come down from there now. And it jumped up up there on top of the bench, whatever you call that thing. And then it jumped down to the floor and it was right in front of me. And I said, not only have you got to come down from there, I said, I command you to leave the Supreme Court of the United States of America right now. Go in the name of Jesus. So that thing took off trotting. It wasn't running. It might have been out of shape. But anyway, it was trotting, <laughs> trotting down through this aisle going out and there was double doors at the back and I don't know why I would be so carnal because you wouldn't and I'm sure your pastors wouldn't. I was thinking to myself, is this demon going to have to open the door to get out of here? <laughs> when that demon got to that door, it didn't open it physically. It went right through it and disappeared. Then the Lord said, this time tomorrow, Sandra Day O'Connor will be gone. And within months from now, another Supreme Court will die. A justice, a man, will die. He said, declare this to my people and let them know that I will rule and reign if they will believe me. The devil cannot control your nation. Now, Sandra Day O'Connor, as far as I know, was a good Supreme Court justice, you know. But the other fellow wasn't. But the very next day, 
God is my witness. Everybody in that church, I didn't know it. You know, I don't keep up with all these things. The very next day, Sandra Day O'Connor announced her retirement. And then just a few months down the road, the other justice died. Now, God didn't kill him. You understand? God's a good God. But what I said that story for in, in, in this just because I made that demon leave doesn't mean it's going to stay gone. And just because you tell the devil you don't want him no more, that doesn't mean that he's not going to try to come back. So we've got to stand against him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. But the authority of God belongs to us. And I'm going to preach to you tonight by direction, and actually I took a popular opinion poll. You know, at voting time, they ask you about this candidate or, or if you go through, do y'all have a Sam's Club around here? Yeah, yeah Sam. You know, you go through Sam's Club and they pass out them cookies and, and cakes and you did, if you're hungry, go to Sam's. Do they still do that? <laughs> you know, you get a piece of cheese here and a little piece of meat over there and get a little carton of milk over there. You know, just, just go to Sam's. But they're taking opinions from you. They want you to go buy that product. Well, I took a popular opinion poll tonight of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And by unanimous decision of them all, I want to preach to you about how to have victory over the devil. The devil has been defeated. I have discovered this in my life with supernatural anointing. I'm going to tell you about an anointing I received. Standing in the prison yard, April the 5th, 1984, when the glory of God came upon me and the heavens opened over that place. And ever since that day, the devil trembles when I come along. Right. Said, Brother Randy, you bragging? Yes, on Jesus. And he's going to tremble when you come along. But one of the main ways the devil takes advantage of people is through fear. The kingdom of darkness, you know, when you start saying these things, you, there's so much you could share, but you'd have to cut it down, you know. There are, there's one principle and one principle alone, if you'll get this, that governs the kingdom of God and governs your success in God. There's one principle and one principle alone that governs the kingdom of Satan. And when you realize these principles and how they operate, you can take advantage of it. The kingdom of God operates by one principle and one principle alone, and that's the principle of faith. Whatever God can get you to have faith for in his word, he will cause it miraculously to come to pass in your life. The kingdom of darkness operates by one principle mainly. Now, there's a lot of subheadings under this, you understand. But one principle, and it's the principle of fear. Whatever Satan can get you to fear, or if he can intimidate you into believing something negative, even about yourself, even though it may not be true right now, he will bring it to pass in your life. So the devil's kingdom operates through fear. God's kingdom operates through faith. So we want to stay on the faith side. Isn't that right? Now, one of the reasons I'm sharing this it's because I was in Canada in November of last year. 
Now in Canada, it's uh, as far as the, uh, this um, plague, pandemic, epidemic, whatever you call it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, the, the rules up there are very strict, you know. They're locking people in jail, people are getting arrested, you know, all, all kinds of things are happening and taking place. But I, I went into Canada and I was preaching there. You know, I know how to escape. <laughs> I can outrun speeding bullets, stop a locomotive, maybe not that way, but in one hand. <laughs> Leap tall buildings with a single bound, you know. <laughs> but God supernaturally sent me to Canada. My ministry is registered there in that state. I have favor with the government of Canada. And, and I was there and the spirit of God spoke to me while I was there praying and seeking the Lord. The Lord said to me, he said, tell my church. Now, I believe this meant Canada, especially there, but also the United States and ultimately around the world. He said, tell my church that Satan is going to sift the church as wheat, especially ministers. In the days that are ahead and tell my people to prepare and get ready for Satan cannot overcome you or my people if they will take their place in faith and use their authority. So that's what he told me in November of uh, last year, which would be what, 2021, which is not but just what, two months ago that he told me this. He told me some other things, but I don't have time to, to share all that. But he did say that. He said, Satan is going. He didn't say might. He didn't say maybe. He said, Satan is going to sift the church as wheat, especially ministers in the days ahead. Now, he didn't say that the devil is going to overcome the church. He didn't say that the devil wasn't going to overcome, was going to overcome ministers. He didn't say any of that at all. And then when he said that to me, turn to Luke 22. He gave me these scriptures, which you're very familiar with. And we're just going to hit some high points and then, then move on here. Luke chapter 22. Why? We've got victory over the devil. And again, at this other side of this, we're not here to, you know, act like the devil has authority over you or me because he does not. The devil has been defeated. Would you agree with that? Yes. Do you agree on this side? Yes. Do you agree on this side? Yes. Do you agree now here? Yes. You agree right here? Yes. All right, I got you then. If the devil has been defeated and you said he was, right? What in the world are you running from him for? He has been defeated. D-E-F-E-E-T-E-D. Defeated. Every time you think about the devil, the devil made me do it. No, that was Flip Wilson. Now, some of you don't know who he is, but some of these other folks know. Flip Wilson was a com comedian years ago. He had this skit he would do about Geraldine. Then he would say, the devil made me do it. And a lot of Christians think that's a scripture in the Bible. No, that, that was Flip Wilson's comedy routine when he would do things. So the Lord said that Satan has, is, is going to sift the church, especially ministers in the days ahead. So I knew he was talking about looking forward into this year. 
Now, he also told me, just to relax you a little bit, that in this coming year, that whatever I set my hand to would prosper. As I obeyed Psalms chapter one, verses one, two, and three. He said, if you'll obey those and make them the keynote verses of your life for this coming year, he said, you're going to prosper because I was thinking about all the stuff that's going on, inflation, you know, all the stuff that's going on, the economy, the government situations, all these things. And I was looking at expanding and going forward and I was concerned. And the Lord said, whatever you set your hand to is going to prosper. Based on the word, being led by my spirit and walking in his way, you're going to prosper. I mean, the world can fall around around you and fall down around you, but you're going to prosper. God's going to take care of you and God's going to take care of me. So in Luke, is it, is it really scriptural for me to tell you that uh, Satan is going to sift the church as sweet, especially ministers? I'm glad you asked that because pastor's a stickler for the word. Y'all didn't find that out about him. If it's not in the Bible, he don't want to say in it. And I agree with him. So I'm going to show you in the Bible. Luke chapter 22. Verse 31, the Lord said, who is the Lord? Is anybody who the Lord is? Right here, you, you, you can't fail my test. It's open book, you know what I mean? Who is the Lord? What's another name for him? Jesus. Who is Jesus? The son of God. Who is the son of God? He was Emmanuel, God manifested in the flesh. So this is God manifested in the flesh, warning Peter about an attack of the devil that was going to come his way. He didn't want it to happen. He was telling him to prepare and get ready. And look what he said to him. He said in Luke chapter 22, verse number 31, it says, and the Lord said to Simon, 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 this is Simon Peter. He said, behold, behold means what? Pay attention, listen up. Pay careful attention right here. He said, Satan has what? Desired to have you that he may do what? Sift you as wheat. Listen, Peter walked with Jesus every day. He probably headed up his revival crusade team. This is Peter. I thought Peter is immune to attacks from the devil. I thought I was immune. <laughs> You thought you was immune. But here's Peter that walks with Jesus every day. He was with him with the Sermon on the Mount. He was there when he raised the dead. He was at the Sermon, I mean, on the Mount of Transfiguration. And do you know who was on that Mount of Transfiguration? Peter, James, John, and Jesus, and Moses, and Elijah. So they ain't dead. Moses and Elijah ain't dead. <laughs> Not in the sense that we, we, we say it, you know. So they were there talking to him. So this was that same Peter. But Jesus, now this is down, right before Peter goes to the garden to uh, get some money, you know, because he was going to the garden to get some money before he went to the cross. Isn't it in the Bible? What, what is it? Gethsemane. Oh, Gethsemane. Oh, I thought it, get some money. I thought that's, I'm a country boy. That's why I need y'all city folks to help me. I thought it was a garden to get some money, you know, but no, it's a garden to get enemy. It's right before he goes there, you know, and at the, the Last Supper, you know, they have the Last Supper here on, on down the road here. And you remember the very last words of Jesus at the Last Supper. I know you're thinking, think this thing. What was the very last words? The very last words. 
He said, boys, if you want to get in the picture, get on this side of the table. <laughs> because cause they were going to do a selfie. You know what I mean? And because them pictures are everywhere. Have you ever, you seen them at the Last Supper? They done a selfie. I'm helping you text folks out now. I'm trying to train you. He said, boys, if you want to get in the picture, get on this side of the table. Because they got them all over there and somebody that got, remember you seen them at Granny's house? You may have one in your house. I don't know, the Last Supper. They were doing selfies back then. Maybe I don't have chapter and verse for it, but you'll just have to come and go to heaven with me and see if they said it or not. It'd be an interesting to know. You know what I mean? <laughs> I have to tell you some of this stuff to get you ready so I can hit you pretty hard. You know what I mean? It don't hurt as bad if you're laughing. That's why they give you laughing gas. <laughs> but he said, Simon, Satan has desired to have you. Desired. Don't mean he can have him, but he desires to have you. He wants to take advantage of you. He wants to make things bad for you. That he may sift you as wheat. And that's what the Lord was to told me in Canada in November. He said, Satan has decided to have the church, especially ministers, that he may sift them as wheat in the coming days. Now that doesn't mean just because he desires it, it's going to happen. And if we do what the Bible says, we're going to come out victoriously. Amen. Thank God for that. But Jesus went on to say, he said, I have prayed for thee, verse 32, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Because we know that Jesus told Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Remember that? And Peter said, and if you go like look in another gospel, he told all the disciples that they were going to deny him before you know, just like Peter would. And they all spoke up and said, Lord, we will die with you. And Peter did too. We'll die with you, but we're never going to deny you. We're never going to leave you. We'll be right by our side, by your side. Then he took them out into the garden of Gethsemane. I found out here with help tonight. And he told them to watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. In other words, that Satan does not take advantage of you. Watch and pray. Because in prayer is a spiritual osmosis or transformation takes place in your life. You exchange all of your weaknesses and inabilities and you take on his strengths and abilities. And the only place that you can make that transfer is in prayer in the spirit. I got one of them highfalutin electric cars. But when it, the pastor asked me today, how many times I filled it up with gas, you know, since I had. <laughs> but when the thing gets depleted of energy, I just whistle for it. Like Roy Rogers used to do trigger, and some of y'all don't know who that is, but some do. <laughs> and trigger would come. Well, that doggone car will come too. If it's 150 feet from 50 yards, it'll come. And you just hit a button, it'll drive right up to you, pick you up to the grocery store. It won't put your grocers in the back of the car for you, but it'll do all this stuff. But when it gets depleted, the only way I can restore the energy in that car is to drive it in my garage. And I've got a special, what they call Tesla charger that charges at a high rate. And you just 
uh, when it, you put the little charger thing, you just take it off this thing, a little line about that, and just stick it up there and, and just look on the side where the gas thing would be. Well, actually, it's a little light thing. It pops up whoop, by itself, and you plug it up. And when you hook up, you know what it starts doing? It starts gathering energy. It probably pulls it from out here somewhere. <laughs> That's where your lights are blinking in your house. You know what I mean? <laughs> but until we hook up with that cord, that card does not restore any energy. And if you try to drive it, in fact, it'll shut down on you. After you, When it gets so low, you know, it will eventually shut down. So you have to plug up to the source that gives it its energy so it can continue to go on and drive as an electric car. I mean, you can charge it up to run about 350 miles. Now they're making them that you can, they're improving the batteries on these things and all. And I got them just cause they're fun. I can go to zero to 60. Don't tell pastor. I can go, I done told him the zero to 60 in about 3.2 seconds. Oh, you talking about fun. Oh, uh, fun, instant torque, it's amazing. But I talked about that is the only way I can restore the energy in that car is to plug up to the source of energy. When Jesus took the disciples to the garden of Gethsemane, he told them to pray. In other words, plug up to the source. You're not gonna be able to make it. Pray that you enter not into temptation. Pray that you don't succumb and submit to the devil when he comes because he's coming, boys. Jesus wasn't saying it to get Satan to do it. He was warning them that this was going to happen. So Jesus not only told them to pray, but he began to pray, remember? He said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup, let this pass from me going to the cross. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. In fact, somebody would say, where did Jesus die? I would ask that question. Another one would answer, he died on the cross. But in my humble opinion, if you'd permit me to tell you this, I believe that he first died in that cross, uh, in the garden before he ever died on that cross. Amen. What I mean is he accepted his destiny there and that's why his prayers and his blood, drops of blood was coming out of his pores of his skin because he accepted his destiny because he was hooked up. And remember, God sent an angel to strengthen him and give him abilities that he did not have because he was a human operating in a human body, just like we do. So he plugged up to the source. And then when the day come for him to die on the cross, he had already accepted it in the garden. But the disciples did not pray as they should. And when the enemy came to arrest Jesus, then they all fled, just like Jesus said. And we know that Peter even denied the Lord three times before the rooster crowed. Remember that? Denied him, totally. And said, I don't even know him. He started cussing, cussing. Y'all know what cussing is? Different than cursing. He was cussing and saying, I don't know him. I don't have anything to do with him. And so the devil took advantage of all the disciples. Of course, we know that Peter repented. The disciples repented. And Jesus said, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. His faith did not fail totally. Even though he failed, he didn't fail totally. Why? Because he got back up. He said, when you are converted, in other words, the prayers of Jesus helped him. And so instead of going off into obscurity and saying, oh, I'm no good, I'm sorry, I'm low down, ain't no way I'm ever gonna make it. No, he went in and he repented. He got back up and he became a stalwart leader of the church that was started in the book of Acts. Right. 
Isn't that right? So there is a devil out there and we're not here to make people afraid of the devil, just make you aware we're in a time that our nation needs prayer. Our Supreme Court needs prayer and I know that you're praying people, but also you as an individual need to pray. I need to pray. We need to seek God. Now, let me tell you about how to have victory over the devil. I was going to Rama Bridal Training Center. Remember Rama Bridal Training Center? We used to call it Rama Bridal Training Center. Rama Bridal, you know. Because it seemed like everybody would come up there and get hitched up and somehow or another, you know. And we'd all joke, it's way back yonder in 85, you know. 85, 87, that's when I went. And of course, it may have changed a little bit now. I don't know. But uh, anyway, they have what they call uh, lab classes there. Did they have it where you preach a sermon? You had to do that? You had to do it twice? Yep. Yeah. See, she knows uh, about it. Do you, how, you still timed? Yeah. How many minutes? Seven. Seven? Shoot, that gave me 12. My Lord. <laughs> Yeah, well, you used to have 12 minutes and then set a clock up. Do you remember that? And you had to have an introduction, you had to have a main body, and you had to have a conclusion. So I want y'all to know that I've been taught right whether I do it or not. <laughs> and I found out something. Most of them folks that taught me don't do it either. <laughs> you have to have an introduction, main body, and conclusion. That's, that's what it is. And then... And so I didn't know what I was going to do. My lab class, you know, and I had went into the pastor's lab because I went to Reverend Tony Cook, who was over the ushers, and I was an usher, you know, for, with Dad Hagen and, and uh, of course, uh, David Hodges, who's a good friend of mine and helps us in our own meetings today. But he used to be Dad Hagen's head usher, and we all went to school at the same time. But anyway, I didn't know what to do or what classes to take in the second year because it was in the second year then. Is that the way it was when you went? The second year uh, that you have these lab classes and you have to get up and you have to actually preach a sermon before all the other students in your class, you know, your class. Is that the way it was, just your class? And then they would kind of write things down about you and your instructor would say things, you know, not to put you down, but to help you, you know, encourage you. Uh, and, uh, and so I didn't know what to do. And so a reason I got into pastor's group because I didn't know what I was called to do. I didn't know I was called, you know. And so I went to Reverend Tony Cook who was over all the ushers during that time an associate pastor at Raymond Bible Church because it started in October 1985. And that's the same year I started uh, uh, Bible school. And he said, well, Brother Randy, he said, just, just go into pastor's group. If you don't know which way to go, he said, just go into pastor's group. And he said, you'll get a rounded view of it all. And so I was thinking about in this pastor group, you know, what am I going to preach? You know, you want to do good, you know, you, and you got 12 minutes too. And that seemed like a long time, but you know, I can, it takes me 12 minutes to say hello, you know, but, but anyway, 12 minutes and I was trying, oh no, what am I going to do? You know, what am I going to share? And then Reverend Cook, he was also over that lab class. He was there. And I knew him. He liked his, his points to come straight out of the word. You know, not just pull something out yonder and try to make the word agree with it. He wanted to come straight out just the way he was. Now, everybody's not the same, but I just knew him. If you learn somebody, you can get along a lot better. And so I was trying to think, what am I going to do? You know, you got to present an outline before you had to hand in. And I thought, oh my, I ain't never preached from no outline before. I'm like, oh Lord, I just get up and let her fly, you know? <laughs> 
Ah, and there's nothing wrong with outline. Don't get me wrong. And I did learn, you know, as I went on. In fact, I've got a lot of sermons written down. They're still good today. But uh, I remember thinking about what am I going to do? Well, most of the pastors were, were preaching wonderful sermons, you know. And, and I would hear this, you know. I'd say, when pastor preached, it, uh, life is like a, a rose bush. There's beauty all around, but there's thorns in between. Oh, and you just, it made it turn just so good, so loving. And I mean, just make you melt like butter when they get through, you know. But I didn't have a butter sermon, you know. I just, it just, I'd never preached about a rose bush. And then somebody else come up with another, you know, illustration, you know. And they said, life is like a lemon pie. We got multiple ingredients and all of them separate cannot accomplish a task. But when you have a skilled person that knows how to put all those ingredients together, then you come out with a wonderful lemon pie. Your life is like a lemon pie. Oh, and when they got through, you wanted a piece of lemon pie. So, you know, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to preach? You know, I just don't fit me. The lemon pie, the chocolate cake, or the thorn bush, or the rose flower. What, what so I was concerned. I would, I would pray. I mean, I'd pray. I'd get up every morning and pray. And then I started doing extra praying. And I'd write sermons down. And then I'd ball them up and throw them in the trash. I thought, just wasn't me. So it come down to the day before I'm going to have to preach my sermon in the lab, that 12-minute sermon. And so we had uh, Paul Walker and Granny Walker. Y'all remember Paul and Granny, don't you? But Paul Walker had, had given my wife and I uh, over in Georgia, one of them a little sleeper sofas, you know, the kind you pull out. It was made out of real wood. It was the kind of furniture that you wouldn't move because you didn't want to move that. You know what I mean? You just stayed in the house you was, you know, or the apartment. So that's what we had in our little uh, living room. And I lived at Fox Run Apartments. I don't know if you knew where that was, 81st and M, but that's where it was. I lived in apartment 812. Y'all remember where that was? So if you want to have one of these experiences, you've got to go to Fox Front, Fox Front Apartments in Broken Era, and you've got to get in, inside of apartment 812, and you can have this experience. <laughs> so I was there <clears throat> that night before, and I didn't know what to do. I mean, I had, I had uh, written several sermons since I'd been in from school that day. You know what I mean? And to hand in, and it just wouldn't work. So I throwed them in a pile on the sofa and they were sitting there on that old green sofa or hide a bed, whatever you call that thing. And I was sitting there. And I decided, well, they don't need to write no more. This ain't going to work. So I knelt down and began to pray. And then I put my face down in the carpet between my legs and I really got serious. And I, I started praying in the spirit in other tongues. <clears throat> and after about 30 minutes of doing that, I, my mind got quiet. And I said to the Lord, all this time I was saying to the Lord, Lord, what, what should I preach? What should I preach? Lord, what should I preach? What should I preach? And I'm going to the lab tomorrow. And it just as clear when I got my mind quiet. It just flowed up inside. Preach what you know. I said, that's great. Wonderful. Preach what I know. Lord, what do I know? <laughs> I didn't know what I knew. I didn't. He said, you know how to cast out devils. 
I said, Lord, this is a pastor's lab. I've heard the lemon cakes and the rose bush and the chocolate cake and all that kind of stuff. Wonderful stuff. I mean, we need that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that all preach the same way. But it was just like what it was. I said, Lord, if I go in there like this, he said, preach what you know. I said, what do I know? He said, you know how to cast out devils. Well, I did. I'd cast out a lot of devils. Lots. Even to this day, I deal with them in the spirit a lot of times. And I said, Lord, I, I know that. I understand how to do it because you've used me and anointed me along those lines, especially in prisons where I started. I said, but Lord, I need the scripture in the Bible that I can show to Reverend Cook, who's my lab instructor, because he wants it to come right out of the Bible, the points. And I said, I need something. He said, oh, that's easy. Turn to Luke chapter four, turn there. And this is what the Lord told me. And the reason I'm sharing it this way, and I told the whole story is this reason. This did not come from me. This is not something I thought up or came up with just to have a sermon. I mean, the Lord told me and showed me in the scriptures exactly how he cast out devils and how he had authority over devils. And he said, now you go show them and you preach about this because this is exactly what you did too. Now, I didn't realize it at the time, but after I read the scriptures, I seen, now, yes, that's the same thing. So in Luke chapter four, here we have a scripture and uh, we'll start reading in verse number 29, Luke 4, 29. And rose up, the people rose up and thrust him out of the city. This is the people that Jesus is preaching to. They thrust him or put him out of the city and led him into the brow of the hill on the side of the mountain like y'all got out here, maybe not that big. Whereupon their city was built that they might what? Cast him down headlong. They wanted to kill Jesus. These people wanted to kill Jesus. Who do you think would stir them up to do that? The devil. Verse 30 says, but he passing through the midst of them went his way. Supernaturally, he walked right through them. God took care of him. So when the devil tries to push you off the cliff, just know this, God's standing there with you and he's gonna take you right through to the other side. He said, he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath day. So he's at Capernaum. I've been to this city of Capernaum here because I went over to Israel. Verse 32, it says, and they were astonished at his doctrine or his preaching for his word was with power or we could say authority. In other words, he acted like he knew what he was talking about. In verse 33, while he's preaching and speaking in the synagogue, we'd call it a church and I've stood right on the ruins. Those ruins are still there today where the synagogue was. There was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, this devil did through that man, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Are thou come to destroy us? He said, I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. So here's the devil, notice this, Jesus did not go hunting the devil. The devil came hunting Jesus. You understand that? And the devil's always trying to hunt us down and come against us, but we've got authority. So let's look and see what Jesus did and we can learn some things from him. Verse 35, it says, Jesus rebuked him to the spirit saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. In other words, shut up and come out. Now, we're not Jesus, so we'd have to say it in the name of Jesus, uh, shut up and come out in Jesus' name. 
You understand? And when the devil had thrown him, this man in the mist, throwed him down in the church, he came out of him and hurt him not. In the end, the man was not hurt when the devil come out. Verse 36. And this is where the keys that you're going to find to always have victory over the devils right here in this verse. This is what the Lord showed me. Verse 36. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commanded the unclean spirits, and they come out. <clears throat> There's three very important words here. The first one is, what a word is this? For with number one, you've got to understand your authority. Number two, you have no authority unless you have the power to back you up. Authority and power. But it's not good enough to understand you've got the authority over the devil and that you've got the power that backs you up from heaven to deal with him. But you've got to do number three and you've got to command the devil in the name of Jesus. Authority, power, and command. Authority, power, and command. Jesus said to me, every devil that I dealt with, these three principles were used. He understood his authority. He knew the power of God backed him up and he commanded the devil. He told the devil what he wanted the devil to do. And that's exactly what you and I have to do. We have to tell the devil what to do. We want him away from us in the name of Jesus. Take his hands off of us. Take his hands off our children. Take his hands off our money. Anything like that. We command you to go in the name of Jesus. So three principles, authority, power, and command. Now, I'm not going to take all those and break them down tonight. I'm going to tell you another story about how it worked. Is that okay? Because I don't want to keep you here all night. <laughs> now, Paul would if he was here, but he, he, he's gone. He would preach and, and, you know, actually, remember, he was preaching and a boy, a young man, was sitting up in a window and he preached so long, the preacher Paul did, and you're getting after pastors and I. <laughs> but he preached so long that he went to sleep. I mean, he had to go into a hard, deep sleep and he fell out of the window and fell down dead on the ground, way below. It's in your Bible. And Paul said, there ain't nobody gonna get out of my preaching. He went down there, raised him from the dead and set him back up there and said, you listen now. <laughs> so don't try dying in our services. By God, we're gonna raise you up. <laughs> It is in your Bible. Maybe not exactly that way, but you got to have a little color to it, you know. Thank God. So let me tell you how I learned to operate this. April the 5th, 1984, I was in Elmore County, Alabama, which is just north of Montgomery, Alabama. Montgomery is the capital of uh, Montgomery, I mean, of, of the state of Alabama. I was in prison. And I was, uh, had been fasting. I had been praying. April the 5th, 1984. I don't know if it matters or not, but I turned 30 years old that day. So now you know how young I am. I'm very young. I turned 30 years old that day. And I was waiting for our, our church because we had a little uh, group that I, I pastored, a convict church. And you could say that the difference between our ministries, your pastors and I ministry is, is I always preach to a captive audience. Say <laughs> so you're free to go, but my parishioners were not free to go. When they locked him in the door, you was there. You know what I mean? They locked you in. And that's the way it was. 
So I preached, and sometimes that's good, sometimes it's bad. So I was standing out there waiting for prayer meeting to start and meet all the our people in our church. I say all at that time, we probably had, I don't know, 12, 11, 11 maybe, 12, somewhere in there. And half of them were backslid, if you understand what I'm talking about. Didn't really care. They were just going to get their name on the road where they could tell the pro board, you know, I went to church. That don't work. So anyway, while I'm out there praying, getting ready for the prayer meeting to start, suddenly about, I would say about noon, 12, 15, 12, 20, suddenly it was like heaven opened and the Spirit of God came down on me. Now there's guard towers up there with officers with automatic rifles and shotguns in case you wanted to get an early parole uh, or early out of prison by hopping the fence. You know, they, they discouraged that. You know what I mean? They, they didn't want you doing that. So they're around too. And uh, they had been used to me out there praying. I, I prayed all the time, you know, and, and don't take that wrong. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I had time on my side and I learned not to waste my time. A lot of people, Christians, have a lot of problems because they waste their time when they should be praying. Woo! Be duck. Oh, you've never been so busy. Checking this, checking that, checking that, and checking that. And we live in a natural world. Yes, there's a life to live in the natural but a lot of things you encounter, you would never encounter or go through. And I'm not saying you can't be attacked now. I'm not saying that. It's, you certainly can for doing what's right. But a lot of things would just fall off of you if you'd spend more time praying and seeking God. The devil don't want to be about around to pray in person. He don't. He don't like it. Remember he told Jesus, get out of here. We don't want to do with you. Have you come to torment us for our time? He didn't want to be around Jesus. He's trying to get him to leave him alone. Isn't that right? And I'm not getting on to you or putting you down. I'm encouraging you. I'm telling you this works. So the anointing came on me and I heard these words. You know, they seemed real to me, you know, and there was nobody there but me, God, and the Spirit of God. He said, I'm anointing you today to begin to enter into the ministry that I have called you to. And nations and countries shall be changed. Well, for many years, I didn't say the latter part of that because I hadn't walked out the first part yet. You know, and I'm still walking out things. <clears throat> so, in fact, one time God sent me to England. When I got to England, he told me to go prophesy over that nation. Supernaturally. I didn't go just to go. God sent me to go and he showed me there'd be a terrorist attack that would take place downtown London. I'd never been to that nation in my life, but I went because God sent me there. And I stood in the place where the terrorist attack took place. People heard I was coming and I was invited to speak in this church. There was probably three, 400 people there. They came from Ireland, Scotland, and uh, Wales and, and different places, but also in England. And I remember preaching, you know, and telling them what I had saw because I saw a vision. I said, God had told me, sent me here to tell you that England better shut the door to the devil because the devil's going to take advantage of this nation. Just like Jesus told Peter that Satan desired to have you may sift you as wheat. So I preached and cast out devils. There's devils in, in England, you know. Cast out devils. I remember one time I run into a spitting devil in England. A spitting devil. 
didn't spit on me, I dodged. <laughs> a spitting devil. But I cast that thing out of, out of that guy and got him set free. But anyway, I preached to him and, and left, you know, and a lot of them, I, I think, some of them, I put it like this, thought that I was just crazy, this crazy wild man from the States, you know, from the United States, and he's out of his mind. But within a week of me being gone from that place, the terrorist attack happened just where I said it would, and it took place just like I said, and then I started getting contacts from them over there. Hey, hey, the devil's trying to take over the country. I said, that's what I come for to tell you, you know. God knows what's going to happen in advance. And that's why I'm sharing this with you. Satan has desired to have the church and especially ministers and sift them as sweet in these days that we're in right now. That don't mean that we're going to sub submit to him. That don't mean he's going to overcome us, but it means that we need to be aware of what's happening. So the anointing came on me that day and it was so strong that I could not stand up. We call it getting slain in the spirit, you know. And I fell up against this block wall because there's a building there behind me. It was B block. Y'all remember where B block was? And I, I leaned up against B block wall and just slid down and there was old bucket sitting there beside the building. We clawed at our recliner. It's a gallon bucket that come from the kitchen, you know, and, and just sat down on it. And the glory of God, I was just basking in his glory as the anointing was coming on me. And he was showing me things and telling me things about what would happen. And they happened just like he showed me. He, I seen myself on a platform with Reverend Kenneth E. Hagin. I seen it come to pass. God gave me supernatural favor with him. And it was just amazing. I preached in his meetings every year from 1987 until 2003. He moved to heaven. God supernaturally showed me that though years earlier. That these things would take place as part of the training that he would have for me. And so as the anointing there was lifting some, I looked because I heard somebody coming around the corner of the building and I thought it might be Troy or somebody else like that at the church. And when I looked up, it was a guy named Robert. Now, Robert was a guy I had been witnessing to for about five months with no success. I didn't know exactly what he was in prison for. You know, that's something you didn't ask people back in that day, you know, because if you ask them, they're all innocent. Nobody's guilty. Just go down to county jail. I'm sure you got a county jail. Just go down there. What you in for? They got me wrong, man. I didn't do it. Got their picture on the camera, you know, but, but I didn't do it, you know, just in the state of denial. But uh, Robert walked around the corner and I've been witness to him for approximately five months. And uh, I knew he was involved in homosexuality, but God had supernaturally led me to him. I didn't know to what extent or what was going on and and so I, I stood up from where I was at, kind of leaning against that block wall, and he was infuriated. And this demon, I found out later, this demon was operating through him, and it came up and it said this to me, this demon through him. And he said to me, you better leave me alone and you better not talk to me no more. And I realized the Lord just showed me this is not Robert. This is a demon you're dealing with. I'd never had that experience before. So I said to him, I said, uh, Robert, Robert, I said, I can help you, Robert. Robert, I can help you. No, you can't help me. You ain't going to do nothing. I don't want you to stay away from me. I said, Robert, I just kept talking to him, trying to encourage him. Robert, I can help you. So finally, I convinced him to walk in the prison yard with me side by side, you know. And we was walking down this, this path, we called it, my prayer path, out beside under the gun tires, inside the fence, of course, walking down the, uh, by the gun towers and talking. And he said, 
you wouldn't have nothing to do with me if you really knew what I was in prison for. I said, Robert, I said, the reason that I'm having something to do with you is because the Lord sent me to help you. And I said, you need some help. He said, well, you don't know what I'm in here for. I said, I don't have to know. <clears throat> he said, yes, I want you to know where you'll leave me alone. And I said, well, you don't have to tell me. He said, I'm in here for making pornographic movies with children. And I'm not going any further. You understand? And that's big business. Even today, ladies and gentlemen, in the United States of America, there's demons that's operating out there that the church needs to deal with. Like pastors already said, there's things that need to be dealt with. Now, when he said that to me, I tried to keep a straight face, but I was shocked. Because in prison then, that was not an accepted practice. Now, a lot of things have become accepted today. But uh, even when I first went to prison in, in the 70s, you know, like even homosexuality was not an accepted practice. If you was in prison as a homosexual, you could not live in what we call free society in prison. You're still locked up. You had to be locked up in a cell because if you didn't, somebody would kill you in your sleep because nobody would accept that lifestyle. Even the sinners didn't like it. But that from 70 on, you know, actually the 60s, I think, where some of this started, the free love and, you know, all that. And we're products. Yeah, over here. Don't, I know you think that's angel wings, that's shoulder blades coming up. <laughs> Wonderful people. We come out of that era. In the United States of America at that time, a spirit of rebellion came upon this nation. I'm, I got caught up in that spirit of rebellion. It was the devil. And then so now, you remember the song? Sign, sign, everywhere, sign. Blocking out the scenery, breaking my mind. Do this, don't do that. Can't. I'll get him singing in a minute. See, I... <laughs> But that was the only reason I said that. That was a theme. Nobody wanted to be, no, be told, don't tell me anything to do, you know. No right, no wrong or anything and everything. And there is a, you know, there is a limit to things like that. We understand. But this total rebellion took place in our nation. And that began to take place starting in the 60s. And then, you know, John F. Kennedy was shot and killed. You remember all that? And people that was here are alive during then can remember, you probably remember right where you was at when, when you seen it and all that kind of stuff down there in Dallas when he got shot. Because it devastated a lot of people in the nation. But all of that, all that rebellion, you know, come out. And then it started until our whole nation began to turn upside down, started in 1960 to where we're at today, especially still upside down. But anyway, Robert also got caught up in that, that guy I'm talking about in prison. I got caught up in that thing too, but not to the way he did. And so now he's in prison for this practice and making these movies he told me about. So I started walking with him and I said, Robert, I said, I don't care how far you're gone. I said, God can help you. I said, let the Lord help you. He said, oh, he can't help me. He don't want to do it. I said, let him help you. So finally, I convinced him to go up to the chaplains, to the chapel. So we got up to the chapel. When we got there, I went into the chaplain Browder's office. Y'all remember where his office used to be off to the sides, you know? Y'all remember what it was? You had to go, had a curtain, you know, he could pull up and look outside. Y'all remember where that was? 
he remembers, don't you? But anyway, <laughs> Chaplain Browder's office. So I told Robert, I said, you sit on this little pew. And it wasn't a chapel or nothing. It was just a little meeting room they let us meet in. So I went to the, to the chaplain's door and I, I tapped on it. And he said, what is it, preacher? That was my nickname, you know. He said, what is it, preacher? I said, chap. I saw our term of endearment for him. I said, chap. I said, I was out there praying. I said, I had an experience. He said, you look like you've seen God or the devil won. What happened to you? I said, I told him about the anointing. I started weeping and crying. And I said, the Lord told me to go pray for Robert. And I said, he told me that he's got devils in him and he wants me to cast them out of him. He's got a homosexual spirit. He's got a lying spirit. And he's got a spirit of hatred. And I said, the Lord told me to cast him out. He said, well, why did you come tell me? I said, because I want you to help me. He said, the Lord ain't told me to do it, son. <laughs> That's a wise man. The Lord ain't told me to do it. He said, plus, he don't, he's tried to get me fired. I mean, he's got a turn. He said, tried to get me fired from this prison because he had a lot of money. This guy did. And from all that movie stuff, you know. He said, he's tried to get me fired and almost did. And he said, I can't do nothing. He said, he said you can use my office and pray for him if you want to. I said, uh, okay. I said, we, we'll, we'll do it. I said, but I got to go down and I got to get somebody to help me pray. So I, he said, wait a minute, call him up here. I call him up here to office because he's just sitting right there in the other room. And I stuck my head out. I said, Robert, come up here to the chaplain. He said, I'm not talking to that chaplain. I said, he don't want you to come in his office or nothing. Just come up here. And chaplain hollered out, said, Robert, come here. So he stepped up there and said, look, he said, me and you've had our differences and I'm not going to have anything to do with this. He said, but I'm going to let Randy pray for you if you want prayer. We're not going to make you receive prayer. He said, no, I want prayer. He said, okay, well, just sit down and wait. Randall's, Randy's going down there and get, because he called me Randy. Randy's going down there and get uh, people out of the, the prison to help him pray, some church members. So the first one I come in contact with uh, uh, was Charlie. He was our guitar player, played the goose guitar. That's Charlie over here. But anyway, playing that. And uh, I told him, I said, you know, Robert so-and-so? I said, yeah. I said, we're going to cast the devil out of him. I need you to help me. He said, okay, where? I said, go to the chapel. He'd never done it either. You know, I hadn't either. So I said, don't mess with him now. Just go in there and sit down, small talk with him. And I said, where's Dixon? He said, I don't know. He's probably out there in the weight pile. Well, Dixon, I think you have ushers in your church, pastor, but we had bouncers because not everybody come to church for the same reason. And we literally had to turn people away because some people come to kill people in prison. You understand? You remember that? They did. And so we had to screen them in the Holy Ghost. You know those uh, machines you walk through at the airport to see what you got on you? We just screen them in the Holy Ghost to see what they had on them. We did. And if Dixon said they couldn't come in, they couldn't come in. And, and of course, uh, Captain Feldman Crumpton, remember I told you about him this morning. Uh, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, I think I did. Did I tell you about him? Yeah. yeah. That uh, he wouldn't let them in either because we weren't trying to, uh, uh, you know, turn anybody away. We want everybody to know the Lord, but not everybody came for that reason. And so I went to find Dixon. The reason I went to get him, because he was one of these weightlifters. I mean, bodybuilders, you know, he could do it. And he could speak in other tongues and bench press 420 pounds. Like, it ain't nothing. My Lord, throw it around. Praying in tongues, you know. But he, he wasn't what you call fully sanctified, you know. I preached progressive sanctification. You know what I mean? I had to in my church. 
if he was witnessing to somebody about Jesus and, and uh, they wouldn't listen just like they should, or they started talking about Jesus or said something smart about Jesus, you've heard the right hand of fellowship, he would give them the right hook of fellowship. And he'd knock them down on the ground and jump down on top of them and bounce them around, and he called it saving them. You know what I mean? He, he, that's what he called it. <laughs> and so the guards would come get me and they'd come hollering, preacher, preacher, go quick, D block, E block, B block, or something. I said, what is it? I said, Dixon's down there saving another one. Get him off of him, you know? <laughs> because if they went, they'd have to lock him up. And, you know, he had changed a lot. I mean, you, man, I was in a hard prison. I mean, people died, not every day, killing one another. You could die for a Milky Way candy bar. People would kill you with a contract. Just like the mafia or something. It's amazing how God brought me out of that. So I would run down to where Dixon was and he's down there saving another one, sure enough, tell him how much Jesus loved him, just bouncing him off the concrete. And I'd say, Dixon, the Bible says, pray for them to say all manner of evil against you, fall for his namesake. He said, bless God, it says in the book of Jude, to save some is snatching them out of the fire. He said, I'm just knocking the fire out of this one. He kind of twisted the scriptures to fit his agenda, you know. And so I'd get him up and get him off. But the reason I went to get Dixon is because I figured he could whoop the devil by himself. You know what I mean? And so I went and sure enough, I found him on a weight pile. I said, Dixon, yeah, he was just a matter of fact guy, you know. It wasn't very big, but he was strong, stocky. I said, uh, you know Robert so-and-so? He said, yeah. Yeah, I know. I've been here a long time, you know. I said, well, I just had an experience and the Lord told me to cast the devil out of him and I need you to help me. He said, okay, I'll, I'll help you. He said, where's he at? I said, he's up there in the chaplain. We're going to pray in Chaplain Browder's office. Well, he threw that weight in that bench. He jumped off and started running across the prison yard towards where the chapel, what we called it, the chapel. While he's running, I'm having visions of what he's going to do if he gets there before I do. <laughs> so I'm trying to wait, Dixon, stop, Dixon. I'm trying to catch him, but he's in better shape than I am. Finally, he stopped, turned around, put both hands on his hip. He looked at me. He said, what is it, preacher? I said, Dixon, Dixon, wait a minute. I got up where I could put my hand in his, you know, my arm in his and locked. So if he had to take off running, he got to drag me too, you know. And I said, Dixon, I said, we're not going to beat the devil out of Robert. I said, we're going to cast the devil out of him in Jesus' name. He said, preacher, I'll give it to him any way he wants it. <laughs> and I knew that he would. This is the beginning of me understanding authority, power, and command. We got up there to the chapel. Went in and told the chaplain, we here, everybody's ready. Charlie, Dixon, myself, Robert. He said, I'm going to stand outside. He said, you boys don't get too loud because he believed in casting out devils too, you know. Don't get too loud. He said, you know, the warden and deputy warden's office is around the corner down through there. And he said, they might hear it. And he said, I might get fired. So anyway, we put Robert inside the, the chaplain's office, had him come in, and I had him sit down in the chaplain's desk chair. It was just a small room, you know, no more than 10 by 10. It might have been less than that. It was very small and had a little storage room off the side, but that was it. So we sat him down in that chair and I said, Robert, what do you want God to do for you? Because I knew he had to want it. And he said, I've got something in my life making me do things that I don't want to do. And he said, I want to be free from it. And I said, okay. I said, in the name of Jesus, 
you foul spirit, you homosexual spirit, you lying spirit, you spirit of hatred, come out of him. Well, he started weeping and crying. And I thought, well, boy, this thing's easy. You know, these devils leave pretty quick. You know what I mean? And I said, now I, I got to get him to pray the sinner's prayer, you know? I said, now, Robert, Robert, pray. It, it took a few minutes. I'm just shortening it, you know, for the second time. Y'all just keep listening. I keep it going. I'm trying to shut up. Y'all won't let me. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're all guilty, but we're getting there. So anyway, I said, Robert, now say this after me. Say in the name of Jesus. He didn't say nothing. I said, Robert, now say in the name of Jesus. He didn't say nothing. I said, now, Robert, I said, say in the name of Jesus, you've got to pray and receive Jesus. And all of a sudden I heard something. Oh my God, what is this? Oh my God. <laughs> and here's this demon growling through this man, growling. Well, I didn't know what did make your hair stand up on the back of your head. You know, and this voice came up, deep gruff voice. I'm a controlling demon over this prison. You don't have the authority or power to cast me out. You'll have to come back when you get the authority and when you get the power. I looked at Dixon and Charlie and their expressions were as if to say to me, which way do you want us to go, preacher? <laughs> but thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. I said, all of a sudden I realized this is a lying spirit. That's that lying spirit. And I knew it by revelation. I said, you foul lying spirit, come out of him in Jesus' name. When I said that, the electrical power failed in the prison. Every light went out. There was no lightning. There was no storm, no nothing. Now, I'm not building a doctrine around this, but I've had it happen more than once dealing with devils. And I'm, again, not making a doctrine. Remember when Jesus hung on the cross? The rocks rent and bursted apart. Somehow they influenced the physical world. Don't understand it all. Your pastors know more about it than I do. And I'm not building a doctrine, not writing a book on it. I'm just telling you the experience I had. The power fell. When the power fails, you got an electrical generator that powers the prisons because a lot of the locks are electrical. It came on, ran three or four times, and then it failed, and it wouldn't come back on. So now the security of the prison is at risk. Even though you got guards in the towers and everything, there's a lot of the locks had failed and everything like that because the power's not there. And the generator's not working. It always worked. And so... I thought, well, what do I do? What do I do? The power's out. I know the guards are going to come down. They're going to have what they call lockdown. Lockdown is where they lock everybody back in their cell, our cell block, or if you're in the dormitory, you go in there. And I know they're going to come. And that, that's what's going to happen. It's going to separate us. And the Lord spoke up in me because I don't know what to do. He said, go ahead and cast the devil out of him. I'll be with you. He said, the devil has turned the lights out in this prison to get him out of your presence. He said, you go ahead and do it. Well, I still couldn't conceive it. The chaplain was a man of God like your pastors are. He stuck his head in the door. He said, Randy, you may not understand this. He said, but the devil just turned the lights out of this prison. He didn't know the Lord had said the same thing to me. He said, you go ahead and cast him out. I'll keep the guards off as long as you can. Get him set free. So I turned back 
and I command this devil to come out of him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, when I said that, about the second time, he come up out of that chair, you know, growling like an animal. But he couldn't come but so far. And then the power of God hit him and knocked him back in that chair. And the next thing that you know is Dixon, he's crazy enough without an anointing. But the anointing got on him and he got loose. And he come around me like this, just a shaking and a jerking in the Holy Ghost. I don't know if you ever been to a jerking service or not, but it was on him. And he reached down in that chair where old Roberts growled like an animal and picked him up and shook him like a bulldog with a bone and flung him back in that chair and said, you devil, you come out of Robert like my preacher said you should. <laughs> I said, get him, Dixon, get him. In a matter of moments, just a little bit, we had to go a little bit. He was totally set free. He received Jesus as his savior. He was filled with the spirit of God and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit of God gave utterance. Him and he hated the chaplain, but the chaplain opened the door because he heard all the commotion and he opened the door and said, what is it? I said, we casting it out, champ. He said, plead the blood, plead the blood. Don't let that thing get on y'all. <laughs> Well, Robert set free. He didn't understand it then, but Robert set free. He used to hate the warden. I mean, the chaplain, warden too, of course. But he come around out of that chair up, drunk in the spirit. He grabbed old chap, said, I love you, chap. I love you, chap. I love you, chap. Get off me, boy. He said, they'll thank you, drunk. <laughs> and all of a sudden, when these big, burly, strapping officers Heard, heard the commotion. He come flying around the corner and come flying up into chaplain's little room, 10 by 10, you know. And when Robert seen the guard, Robert went over there where he was at and leapt up and grabbed the guard and said, I love you, sir. I love you, sir. They cast the devil out of me and I got saved. <laughs> and the guard told the chaplain, he said, Chaplain Brown, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. These boys are drunk. That's what's wrong. These boys are drunk. He said, no, sir. He said, this is not no prison hooch or wine that you make in here. He said, this is that heavenly wine. He said, that boy got saved. He said, you better get him out of here before we get all locked up. They're doing lockdown because the power's out. He said, yes, sir. So anyway, Robert was uh, drunk in the spirit. He couldn't hardly walk. And so Dixon was going to help him, you know, and take him out. He slept in a dormitory. And so Dixon was going to help him, but he kept falling in the floor. You know, Rob, he'd walk so far and he'd fall. You know, he'd be singing in tongues and everything, fall in the floor. And so Dixon just reached down and put his hand around his belly and pulled him up under his arm like this, like a sack of taters, you know. And he started walking out the side of the prison. He's going to carry him to the dormitory. That's how strong old Dixon was, you know. And so about the time they went out, it dawned on Chaplin and I, what if the deputy warden's out there? Making everybody go to lockdown, you know. So we ran and looked and sure enough, there's Deputy Warden Thurman. Y'all remember him, don't you? He was standing out in the yard with this uh, uh, megaphone, battery powered. Lockdown, lockdown, lockdown. Everybody knew what that meant. You go back to your respective cell, dormitory, cell block, wherever it is. And so he's standing out there. And he turned and he saw Dixon carrying Robert under his arm. 
Well, Robert is singing in tongues at this end and he's kicking in tongues at that end. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's scriptural. You have to ask pastor, you know, but, but it seemed to be he was in fully enjoying himself. And I could see that Deputy Warden Thurman was very confused about the sight he was seeing. And I said, chaplain, do something. Do something, chaplain. Well, chaplain went to bouncing across that yard. He looked like the Pillsbury Doughboy. You know what I mean? He's a bouncing. And he got to saying, spiritual experience, spiritual experience, spiritual experience. And the deputy warden got to looking at him and laughing at the chaplain because he, he, his bubble was in the middle. You know what I mean? But anyway, he was uh, bouncing out through there. And Dixon's turned and looked at me. What I do? I said, take him on, take him on. And I said, come to report to me when you get through. I went to my cell block and that's where Dixon was in the same cell block. He came back. I said, what happened? He said, I got him to his bed. I said, what was he doing when you left him? He said, he was singing in the spirit, preacher. Singing in the spirit. He said, they were telling everybody in there about Jesus. He's 75 convicts in the place he was at. He's telling them about Jesus and how he got saved. He said, they think he's crazy. They think he's out of his mind because he never acted that way. I said, let's believe God. So during the nighttime, the lights came back on. They don't know why that they failed. They had the power company out and couldn't figure out why. But anyway, they eventually came back on by themselves. Nothing they changed. And so what happened is the next morning, one of the guys that slept in that dormitory with him come down there to where I was at because they opened up the prison again for people to go to breakfast. We called it chow hall. And so when he come walking in, he said, what did y'all do to Robert? What did y'all do to Robert? I said, what do you mean what we do to Robert? He said, uh, and he wasn't saved. He didn't come to the church, you know. He, I said, what do you mean what we do to him? He said, he come in there. Dixon brought him in. I remember seeing it. He said it was out of his mind then. And said, then he went off to sleep. He said, about three o'clock this morning, he sat up in the bed and started singing a song. I said, what did he sing? He said, he sang this song. I love the warden. I love the warden. And he said, it scared everybody so bad they got out of the bed and sat with their backs against the wall. Because they thought that he had what they call, they call it in prison, going off, you know, and losing your mind. They thought he had went off on them. God told us it would start a wave of revival. I believe he made the 12th convict that got saved in our little church. And that was on a Tuesday. The very next Saturday of that same week, I was preaching to over 75 born again, spirit filled, tongue talking, devil casting out convicts that had got born again in that short amount of time after we learned to take authority over the devil. And I'm here to tell you, we've got victory over the devil. You've got victory over the devil. I've got victory over the devil and the devil cannot defeat you. If you'll use your authority, know the power of God backs that authority up and command the devil, he cannot continue to harass you nor harm you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Father, we thank you for the spirit of the living God. And we thank you for your anointing. What I've shared, what I believe that you wanted me to share and say, said what you wanted me to say. And Father, I thank you. These people are taking heed and they're listening and they're walking with you in Jesus' name. Now you're here tonight with heads bowed and you say, Brother Randy, I'm here. And I've been harassed. There's some things that you've been going through. I'm not talking about just thank you going through. Been harassed, whether it be spiritually, physically, materially, financially, any area of your life. And it don't necessarily mean you've been doing anything wrong. 
but it had gone through this harassment and you believe that there's some things involved behind the scenes like spirits back there. Don't mean that they got you, but they're trying to harass you. I want to pray for you and I'm going to break those powers. And if that's you, raise your hand boldly in the name of Jesus. I see hands going up all over the place. Let's do this. Let's stand to our feet. And then those of you that raised your hand, step out from where you're at and come down to the front and line up shoulder to shoulder, side by side. Shoulder to shoulder, side by side. Just come and line up. Thank God. You've got authority. I'm telling you, it can happen to the best of us. But there's an anointing here tonight to break that yoke and destroy that yoke in the name of Jesus. You don't have to put up with this no more. You can do it yourself. You can take the authority yourself and you can walk in this anointing yourself. So as you're standing there, you just begin to worship the Lord. You just begin to present yourself to the Lord in the name of Jesus. And then I'm going to come by and I'm going to lay hands on you in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to deal with some things in the spirit. If I say some things, know this, I'm not talking directly to you. Now, if I do have something to say directly to you, I'll tell you that I'm talking to you. But I, sometimes the Lord shows me things about people that I need to deal with in the spirit. But that don't mean that it's necessarily you or something you've got to do. So you just believe with me. You worship with me. I'll start right down here on my right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you, Lord. Lord, you know that these people are here for a reason. Lord, they needed to hear this. Lord, they need to walk in this. And Father, we command this harassment to stop in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stop it right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we take authority over this and command it to stop in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we command this to stop and go and desist now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Yes. That's the way it is right there. Because of the anointing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's broken in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. It doesn't matter what the enemy tries to do. It don't matter. It's broken right now. It's broken. It's broken. It's broken. It's broken in the name of Jesus. It's broken in the name of Jesus. After you've been prayed for, you can go back to your seat. After you've been prayed for. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We just break the powers, every evil work right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. You need prayer? In the name of Jesus. Lord, we just break these powers in the name of Jesus. And we declare that this is our day of victory. This is our day of liberty in the name of Jesus Christ. It belongs to us in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's in the name of the Lord Jesus. We bind this right now in the name of Jesus. We bind this in the name of Jesus. The anointing breaks and destroys the yoke in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's in his name. 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 The name of Jesus. These things are broken right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Complete victory, complete liberty comes right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's broken now. In the name of Jesus Christ, it's broken. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you right now that it's broken. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, we thank you that it's broken. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you right now. Thank you for it right now. In the name of Jesus. The name above all names. 
the name above all names. The name above all names in the name. It's in the name of Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus. It's in his name that victory has come. It's in his victory that change has come. No longer walking in that way because it's a brand new day. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we break the powers of darkness. We break the powers of darkness in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for it right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name for the victory. Victory in the name of Jesus. Victory in the name of Jesus. Victory, victory right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can go back to your seats if you've been prayed for. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Father, we thank you right now. We ain't gonna forget. Father, we break the powers of darkness right now. And Father, I thank you that everything's wrong is being made right in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, we break the powers of darkness and release the spirit and the anointing of God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for it, Father. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we just break the powers of darkness now in Jesus' name. Victory is ours. Victory is ours. Isn't that right? Victory is ours in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, Father, I pray for every individual under the sound of my voice. And I take authority over every evil work right now in Jesus' name. And I bind you and I command you to stop your maneuvers. Devil, I command you to take your hands off this county. I command you to take your hands off this region. In the name of Jesus. I command every harassing spirit to stop your maneuvers. You loosen people's minds now in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, I thank you for the Holy Ghost, the power of God that is released. And we declare that the devil is underneath our feet. In Jesus' name, we declare it to be so. Amen and amen. Authority, power, and command. The Bible said, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Victory is yours. Thank you for putting up with me. Thank you, pastors, for inviting me to be here. It's good to be back here in the desert again. But we love you. We appreciate you. I'm going to turn it to our pastor. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 